everyone and welcome back to London Dialogues where we talk to the authors and thinkers about topics pertaining to India and uh, today I have with us author of the book Kashmir, A Diabolical Betrayal of uh, Kashmiri Hindus, Sahana Vijay Kumar who wrote it in uh, Kannad and uh, the translator to English is uh, Heman Shantigram and along with them we have uh, Shonal Sher who is a Kashmiri Pandit activist. So uh, we will be talking about the books. Typically, we will go around 40-45 uh, minutes of discussion and then we'll take questions from the audience. And uh, I would open to Sahana to introduce herself and her book and talk a bit about it. Hey, Neb, Namaste. Thank you for having me Welcome, here. Sahana. Thank you. So I am a technology professional based out of Bangalore. And writing has been my hobby. I've uh, been pursuing it quite seriously. Kashir is my second novel. I started writing uh, columns initially, and then the first novel was a contemporary subject. Kashir was the second one, and I, and I have a third one called Avasana, which is based on the filial philosophy of uh, Kamathipur and Pandharpur. Right. So, yeah, so that's about me. Right. Hemant, was this your first experience of translating a book or writing any kind, or have you um, done a Yes, yes. hi. Um, yeah, indeed. Um, so um, I'm a technology professional as well, and uh, I'm based here in London. Uh, and uh, writing to me, um, I used to be a quite a prolific uh, writer uh, in the early 90s. Um, before the concept of blogging started, I had uh, my own website, mm -hmm. uh, and it used to be quite cumbersome, um, maintaining the, the, the content, etc. And uh, somewhere along the line, I lost that fire and um, uh, I, I stopped writing. Uh, but uh, I did continue, uh, you know, uh, writing poetry. Um, po poetry comes naturally to me. Prose is something that I have to labor at. Uh, but Kashmir was a subject that uh, I was quite passionate about. So uh, when uh, Sanaji reached out on Twitter asking for translators, um, I, I, I gave it a shot. So it's my first um, first attempt at translating at uh, this scale. Yeah. Right, right. And welcome, Sunil, if you could introduce yourself briefly. Namaskar, I'm Sonal Sher. Uh, I live in Surrey, UK. Uh, my normal sort of day-to-day -day work is finance, but uh, uh, being a Kashmiri sort of, you know, I'm, I'm a Kashmiri sort of activist. Uh, anything, anything to do with Kashmir sort of, you know, I'm, I'm very, very connected to. Uh, to that. Uh, and obviously, when, when I found out about the book, when I was asked to join, so um, I obviously said yes, because because uh, it's it's lovely to see people like Sahana and Heymans taking the time, and talk about uh, talk about us. So thank you. Right. So welcome everyone once again, and uh, welcome everyone who's tuned tuned in to listen to the webinar. Uh, I'll I just finished reading book a couple of days back, and uh, it was gripping to say the least. It was unputdownable. Uh, I I have not read the uh, in quite a couple of years, I think I've not read a book at this pace. It started off and finished in like within two days. Uh, what I really loved about it that this this wasn't, so when you pick a topic like uh, where you have a lot of people who died before, uh, there is a genocide, uh, generally retailing comes out as a rant a lot of time that people write. Or typically in the case of Kashmir, what I have seen is that people when write about it, they put Kashmir in the background. And the rest of the story becomes the core of it. You see the movies being made. You see the novels being written. It could have been at the back of uh, any other tragedy. Uh, this book was trying to explore that what has happened. It was not trying to get angry at anyone. It was not trying to, you know, uh, kind of say that, listen to us and we need you to solve our problem. Listen to the story. This was about the solutions. Like, we are going to go out. We are going to figure out what went wrong. We have a character who's not trying to be judgmental about anyone. There are other characters. Each of them have their story. So when you put these kind of like, essentially there are eight to 10 characters who have their own journey and none of them are one which you really hate or you really pity on. Each of them have their own confidence, their own capabilities, their own feelings. And the total sum of the story is an outcome of what happened in their life with their character put together. So Sahana, how much went into finding out? Because it has research about people, a general understanding of what people went through in their life in that time. And then it has research on religion and culture to put together, right? So what went in when you started writing? And to begin with, what led you to start writing this? Yeah. So uh, usually when we encounter a problem, there are two ways of looking at it. 
one is we get very reactive and emotional the other right. is we try to analyze the root cause get some learnings out of it and be prepared in case we encounter it again how do we tackle it kashmir yeah. is a very unique and complex problem uh, the main challenge is the philosophical tussle here i mean the philosophy of sanatana dharma versus the theology of the predatory religion islam right so this intrigued me a lot because how is it that a religion that was founded in the arabian desert in the 7th century ad spread its tentacles so far and wide mm-hmm. and how is it that a person who led a prophetic life for just 23 years instilled so much hate and fanaticism in the minds of his followers we see the same bloodshed which was there in 7th century ad even then it was being called beheading which was so ruthlessly done and which is very relevant to this day yes. so when i looked at it i was very much uh, keen in understanding how did india react because india was did not begin at 7th century we had a very we have a very vast history in the ancient indian context we had these ruthless rulers i mean if you look at arthashastra kautilya broadly classifies these rulers as dharma vijayi lobha vijayi and asura vijayi dharma vijayi is the one who is content with the victory lobha vijayi seizes the land and money of the vanquished he is done there but the asura vijayi he seizes the land the money the heirs the wives and puts the king to death so we knew such rulers existed but we also had our own rule book which we followed for the battles for example if you were my opponent and if you were distressed i would not attack you if you abandoned your weapon you showed your back i would not attack you so we went by our own rules and what was totally unknown to us during those days were invasion and conversion these are very important because ancient india was invasion free we had these greeks coming up but then they gelled with us and they became our viceroys who were there for a very brief amount of time and were sent back when you come to medieval india the understanding was still missing i mean we did not know how to deal with these marauders who were so ruthless who were alien because if you look at the instance of prithviraj chauhan if you take the account of kirishta prithviraj was misled ghori declared ceasefire prithviraj mm-hmm. believed it his troops went for their ablutions then they were massacred so mm-hmm. and mohammad ghazni repeatedly attacked us at least 17 times is what the record say somnath temple so why is it that he attacked so many times it's our magnanimity because we believe in this udara charitanantu vasudhaiva kutumbakam we forget that for us the entire world is a family but for them it is not so behind ghazni going back unharmed each time there must have been this magnanimity at play some or the other thing might have showcased this so much and this mindset continued again in the modern indian context i'll give you one example of one of the most revered gurus of southern india a christian goes to him and he begs him asks him guruji please take me into your fold i want to be converted to a hindu the guru says no you you be a good christian you will be a good hindu automatically now that is where we go wrong a good christian has to spread his message of peace and love a good christian has to convert a good muslim has to claim that allah is the only god so we always fail to comprehend what is the version of the other side what is the ideology or the theology that they are trying to propound the only person who acted on ground was swami dayanand saraswati he understood this conversion he was very clear in his mind about the impact of these invasions because they were trying to convert us and that's how he founded arya samaj and arya samaj started taking everything every everybody back into its fold all the converts were again being you know reconverted to hinduism and then we had vivekananda who had read islam as clearly as the advaita philosophy we had ambedkar who uh, has written this book pakistan or partition of india in which he clearly calls out the tenets of islam he ridicules it for its burqa system for its uh, brotherhood he he doesn't hesitate in calling out all the tenets so we we have uh, had these indicators but even now we are so helpless i mean we we really did not make use of any of these a very few were learned a very few tried to implement and but the overall impact on the society was nothing there were no learnings that we took so the template that was set was kashmir for us it's just a template and it's successful if you look at their perspective 
they have achieved what they want to do so this was what triggered and i began with the uh, reading the life of the prophet because that that has been intriguing me for quite some time now the semitic religions in general and islam in in uh, particular and then it led me to uh, research on the other aspects the social the political the cultural that's the flavors that you see you just mentioned so that's how it all began and it would be incomplete had i not visited kashmir because unless i experienced the pain the desolateness and the fear i would not be able to effectively express and i would not get a nuanced view the one that you just mentioned it's yeah. not a rant it's about everybody living their life and coming out with what they feel so for right. that nuanced view i had to visit and that's how uh, it it came up right hemant how was it uh, for you to read this story and then trust so there are two kind of readers right when i read at my perspective is just take in what is there but your perspective was to read understand and then put it back in another language and there will be few move from what how the story sounds in one language to another language so you needed to grasp in more was there a lot of new learning here for you was it something which you were aware of and how that process went around yeah so for me um more than new learning there was a bit of unlearning that i had to do in that mm-hmm. um uh like i said i i took this up as a project of passion uh because that subject was something that uh, that was very close to my heart um uh you know i i've been uh, a student of uh, advaita um r- reading shankaracharya and that's how i got uh, into kashmiri shaivism etc and uh, i have some very good um uh, kashmiri uh, uh, hindu friends um uh, you know that that i've kind of you know uh, met through my um, career etc um so i had this emotional response to this subject and uh, you actually have picked it up uh, pretty well in that none of the characters in these are 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 uh, very emotional or you know it's not a rant right so um for me there was that emotional uh, connect with that subject but uh, when i first read um uh, it, it kind of resonated the, the overall um uh, story resonated very well with my belief but the bit that i had to unlearn was to let go of my own emotions about the subject there wasn't enough anger so to speak right because i was angry about the subject but uh, i had to unlearn i had to let go of that and uh, basically get to uh, what uh, the, the story that sahana has weaved together uh, which uh, as uh, as you will agree um, um to understand kashmir you you probably will need to read three or four subjects um, you know politics religion history um uh, theology of islam and, uh, and and various other things in 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 a, almost a non fiction way to take all that subject which can in their in their own uh, thing um be very dry for a a fiction reader to take that and weave that into a story so very well um uh, so i for me um it was letting go of my um uh, my uh, anger and uh, the emotional connect i had and uh, actually relate to the to the characters uh, the way sahana uh, wants the readers to connect um, and also it, it was my first attempt at um, uh, translating uh, so there was a bit of uh, a learning curve for me as well as to what that translation uh, process is um, and uh, in the end i got there uh, that um, uh, basically it needs to um, understand the intent of the 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 the, the story that sahana has put together and right. uh, communicate that as accurately uh, as possible and uh, as uh, uh, lucidly uh, uh, and and uh, easy to understand language as possible um so both in the technical aspects of translation as well as in in letting go of my personal connect and connecting to the story that sana is trying to tell um uh, those were the those were the things that uh, i uh, i had to do as a process of translation here right so taking a lead from what you said about the unlearning bit and uh, getting away from the perceptions people have or the emotions that are leading uh, the reaction to a subject uh i want to open it to wider issue is that uh, what is the relevance when you come and there's a retelling of the story is happening and people want a conversation to happen a what is the relevance of kashmir in itself in terms of a broader indic civilization and india and second uh, what is the relevance of the events of 1990s and it's not one off event we we know that th- there is a history of uh, exodus and uh, violence in the valley which uh, dates much uh, earlier than 1990s so what's the relevance of that today 
And I'll, I'll just give a background to that question and I, I would open that with Sonal and then we will just uh, go on with that uh, as we have something to chip in. Uh, the background of this question is that whenever you raise the topic of Kashmir, the usual tropes are that, oh, why we are talking about now when it's something that happened in the past or uh, the people who got affected have moved on their life and they're doing pretty well. So, A, why the Kashmir itself is very relevant and alive in the broader story of India and why we really need to talk about the events that have happened in 1919 preceded by many such events before. So, Sonal. So, yeah. Um, so, I think I think the first thing that I have to kind of say is I I can't approach this subject without emotion because I've mm-hmm. I've actually been through that I was there you know the, the last time it happened and and everything that you read about um, especially the night night of the nineteenth January I was there because I have actually sort of you know suffered from from that now uh, why is Kashmir important Kashmir has or it's it's the seat of sort of you know a lot of knowledge that we hold uh, sacred in in indic traditions and custom um a lot of kind of a big sort of sanskrit works that were written were, were written in kashmir by kashmiris um a lot of vedic knowledge that stems down sort of stems down from kashmir a lot of people actually traveled through the length and breadth of india and they would go to the mountains there and actually you know speak to people there, speak to the sages, rishis there. So there's there's thousands and thousands of years of history that connects Kashmir to the rest of India. Now, if we sort of just pull that right back and actually sort of look at now, geopolitically, Kashmir is very, very important right now because we share borders with a lot of uh, nations that are, you know, aggressors. So sort of, you know, if you go from one side to the other, Kashmir is is really really important. Uh, either way we look at it, uh, as, as 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 sort of Indians, as Hindus, from from uh, you know just to carry on our, our traditions and customs, and also as a nation, to actually protect our borders. So um, my my question was actually to to Sahana, as a Kashmiri Hindu, you know, what actually prompted you to to pick up the topic? Because because for me that's actually something that interests me. I wanted to know that. Uh, yeah, so uh, Kashmir yeah. has always been a problem. So what? Uh, what this, is this an innovation, Sana? So this is very. This is right out of the book. The conversation I'm seeing because in the book, the character Narendra, when he writes about with a lot of detail about Kashmir, uh, the first question arises that why somebody in Bangalore knows so much about uh, Kashmir. That's the first thing that arises there. Uh, yes. So. Um... What actually happens is about Kashmir for a person who is a South Indian and a Bangalorean, when you read the life of Adi Shankaracharya, you see that he's gone to Kashmir, the Sarvagnya Pitha, which is now in POK. You know, there, there was a, a discourse, philosophical discourse in which he participates. And we have the example of Vilhana who comes down to Karnataka and Vikramanka Devacharita is his work. Uh, uh, Chalukya King Vikramaditya Sikh, it was under his... Uh, um, uh, rain that he re- wrote, wrote this book and we have so many examples Abhinama Gupta who writes on the Bharatamuni's Natya Shastra that is the best commentary, authentic commentary that we have. Now these are part whenever I spoke to Kashmiris I only saw their emotional face uh, I, I did not see that Shatra at all. To be very honest they would only uh, recall this, they would only feel bad and they would start shedding tears I mean I don't know about Sonal, but to whomever I have spoken on or off the camera, they have ended up crying. What really intrigued me, if you have read the chapter 5, it's about the Kshatra Guna. We have lost the Kshatra quality. That was the key. That was the first dharma. There is a shloka also. Akshatro dharmo hyadi devat, paschadanya shesha bhutashta dharmaha. The Prime Lord first created the Kshatra dharma. So why was our Kshatra at loss was the first question that actually bothered me because there was not one Kashmiri Hindu who said, come on, let us do something about it or let us go. You know, it was like, this happened to us. This happened to us. Yes, it happened to us. So who were collectively responsible? We as a nation are responsible. But what did you do during that period? If you have read the book, that's the question Narendra asked. Panditji, what did you do? Vidyanath Pandit. Who, who is at the who is a Purohit at the Shankracharya Hill only cribs. When Narendra asked, he starts introspecting. Yes, what did I do? So 
so this helplessness is the common feature which actually bothered me a lot and that's when i got into the theology of islam to see where does it originate from how how is it this mindset because none of us have experienced kashmir now this said it doesn't mean that uh, because uh, uh, they are over emotional or they are over reacting because they have faced it and i don't know it's just the words that i have uh, listened to or i can only imagine i have not really gone through so it must be really very scary so what is it that caused caused all this was the main thing that intrigued me and the other thing is there was nobody to give sufficient information i mean people did not know they just know they just knew that article 370 existed there was only a legal problem was it only a legal one no see even after um, revoking article 370 the problem is not going to end so soon it's not it's not uh, about the 370 at all it's about the cultural thing it's about how we have been uprooted from there it's going to take a lot of time for us to reestablish ourselves there so there was no proper information coming nobody knew and the facts were very hard to uh, dig out so because of this and and the pain of the community actually drove me because when we have so many people coming from that place as sonal was mentioning our uh, sanskrit literature our aesthetic indian poetry is so much full of the contributions from them so what is it that uh, led to this state was what bothered me a lot so uh, uh when you say that there's a problem and 370 is not going to solve that immediately the very first step when we are going to talk about any solution is the recognition that there is a problem and these were a b c reason why the problem happened in the first place uh there are two things entirely missing as i understand is that a it was a genocide and there's a recognition that is missing so you do not identify a problem which uh, the minute you call it just an exodus the solution is people need to go back but when you talk about genocide people need to go back in a place where this thing will not repeat again and when you talk about something not repeating again then you need to understand what created the environment in the first place right uh so what was it what is it was it a like a lot of people try to say it's a societal or social issues that there was disparity and that led to it there was a people try to put it out as a political issue that there were political fraction and uh, the government was failing and government had no control on what's happening state uh, some people try to pose it as purely a cross border issue that uh, there was sponsored terrorism and then thing just went downhill from there and then there is a religious issue so was what was it was it one thing was it a mix of all of thing how people put that together and how not able to put a recognition of it as a genocide has affected moving ahead from there do you want me to answer that neil yeah yeah take, okay. i mean this is open for now so please okay so um i i think we all look at kashmir right now as a political problem because you know every every time every everybody speaks about kashmir they they say oh you know it's uh, it's a problem between pakistan and india and it's not that actually what you have to look at is the civilizational issue it's a religious issue we were persecuted because we were hindus that is the end of it that there is no other way we were persecuted because we were hindus and we have been persecuted continually for the last 700 years so this was not as people might know not the last time we left uh, there were sort of six other times this has happened to us um now when it comes to recognizing genocide um I- i'm going to just sort of leave that to the side for a second but what i'm going to say is that we know um one of the things that never happened was uh, no no proper sort of documentation was done no one actually knows how many kashmiris left exactly no one actually knows how many kashmiri hindus were killed exactly no one actually knows how many women were brutally raped no one knows the the level of arson no one knows how much land was gra- grabbed how many houses were destroyed so even if we don't look at genocide right now the the state uh of india actually hasn't done anything you know have we even punished one person for for a crime they uh, up to very very recently we've had actually terrorists who were were you know 
proper terrorist leaders, and they were actually sort of, you know, sitting at the same table as the government of India and having a conversation. Uh, we know that there are nations in, in the, for example, the United States that, that have this policy that we do not negotiate with terrorists, but apparently when it comes to India, that obviously doesn't, doesn't seem to be the case. So one, you know, nothing has been done, not a single case. So if, if someone, you know, next door to me has been killed, those people have never been brought to justice. Now, when we come to genocide, um, India has has not defined genocide by law. It uh, ratified the UN Convention uh, about five decades ago. But I think if you if you speak to someone, they will just say that everything that we have in in law covers all of it. Um, and um, I just sort of I wrote this down here. And genocide is killing members of a group by targeting them, which is what happened to Kashmiri Hindus. Genocide also means causing serious bodily harm or mental harm, which is actually what happened to Kashmiri Hindus, deliberately inflicting conditions that destroy a group's way of life. Kashmiri Hindu culture, as we know now, is almost, almost extinct. Um, a lot of Kashmiri Hindus don't speak the language. We are barely keeping hold of our culture, our customs. And when Sahana said, you know, a lot of people don't know what happened because we have been inflicted over hundreds and hundreds of years. We've been sort of tortured to the point where even going to a temple, you know, you, you had to sort of cower down and actually do it in, in uh, you know, by not disturbing the Muslims that were living there in the valley. Uh, the other sort of things are imposing measures to prevent births, but I could always say that once everyone sort of left for Jammu, uh, conditions were such that actually I think we've lost an entire generation wasn't born because people were living in tents, so we've actually have lost entire generations of Hindus. Um, forcibly taking children from one group, I think, I think they've probably just missed out on that one. So. Um, yeah, genocide, I think one of the biggest things that the government of India has to do is recognize that this was a genocide. And I know it's probably a bit embarrassing to, to admit it, but until, until the government does that, we, we can't go forward. You can't actually start fixing anything before you actually admit what the problem is in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I may come in, I think, uh, I think you kind of summarized exactly what is wrong and what the issue is. And let me say this, Hindus, we are people without a country. India is not a Hindu country, right? And enshrined in its constitution is discrimination against Hindus. So to expect uh, India as a state to recognize what happened in, in, in Kashmir, what happened to Hindus as a genocide, until something fundamentally changes with the way India sees itself as a nation, uh, that will not happen. And, 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 and the reason why I say this is the world today has, uh, is divided into um, free thinking societies, if there are any, and there are three major totalitarian systems, Islam, Christianity, and, uh, uh, and, and, and Marxism. You know, they, they have a book, they control every aspect of uh, a, a human life, right from how you think, um, and, uh, uh, and, and that's what they are. They, they, they masquerade as religions, uh, not, not, uh, not Marxism, of course, uh, Islam and Christianity. They masquerade as religions, but they are totalitarian systems. And India, um, uh, you know, uh, during emergency, we kind of called ourselves secular and, uh, and socialist. You know, um, first of all, the constitution itself was never ratified by the public. And uh, socialist and secular tag uh, got attached during emergency in, a, in, in the most undemocratic uh, way. And this is this is this is this is who we are uh, today. We are a, a socialist um, secular republic. Apparently, I don't I don't know what that means, but it definitely is not a Hindu uh, is not a, is not a country for Hindus. And we see that happening today. Uh, you know, temples are being vandalized. Temples are controlled by government. No other, no other um, place of uh, relig uh, religious worship is, is controlled by government. We are, in fact, uh, uh, paying a, a jazia tax, actually, for being Hindus, because temple money is taken and, uh, and uh, used, um, used for other uh, uh, purposes. Right Now, that said, um, what happened in, in, in Kashmir uh, is, is definitely religious, but why that has been made... Uh, uh, made to you know, kind of uh, sink away from people's imagination to be totally forgotten 
is totally the, uh, the, the, the Marxist agenda. Uh, they have ensured that it's, it's, it's nowhere in the textbook. We probably know more about um, uh, Jewish Holocaust uh, than our own partition or, or, or what happened in Kashmir. Uh, and right from textbook, uh, uh, um, our, our history lessons, everything, we have wiped out everything that has happened to uh, us Hindus throughout India, not just Kashmir. And, and, and in, in, in this, uh, you know, existing in this ecosystem, where every aspect of your opinion building uh, uh, avenues that you have are controlled by uh, these uh, totalitarian uh, systems, like you know, controlled by Islamist interests or, or Marxist interests, there is no way our story is gonna be uh, told. And, and particularly for uh, Kashmiri uh, Hindus, their agency is taken away. They can't authentically tell their story. They have been given a government certificate that they are migrants. They are not migrants, but that's what their certificate said. They can't even tell authentically what has happened to them. When you take away that, that agency to tell their stories, at the end of the day, we are the stories we tell. If Kashmiris cannot tell their story, what are they? And to me, why this is so important is what happened in Kashmir 30 years ago and how easily we have forgotten. It is happening elsewhere. It is happening in Kerala. It is happening in, uh, in West Bengal. Um, it is happening in Tamil Nadu. Just this morning, I saw somebody uh, tweeting that um, um, Dharmic Hindus from Tamil Nadu should consider moving out because um, you now there's election going, uh, happening there shortly. Um, things are going to get very bad for them. This is happening, and Hindus, like like the proverbial frog that is uh, uh, that is getting slowly boiled, is they're not realizing what's happening to them. So. Kashmir is a pan-India issue. We need to wake up. And that's why this book, Kashmir, becomes so important for uh, everybody to read, not only to know what happened in, 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 in Kashmir and what happened to Kashmiri uh, Hindus, but to pick up clues from that and see around themselves. It is happening everywhere. So it is a wake-up call uh, for all of us that, that, that we should not let another Kashmir happen. And we need to find ways for Kashmiris to return back to uh, Kashmir and, 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 and get on with their lives. Sorry for a, a bit of an emotional rant there, but uh, I had to get it <laughs> out. So I'll, I'll, I'll just bring in one statement I've had when after reading the I was having discussion with a few people and there was this very interesting statement that I got and I would take comment of everyone on that, is that uh, Kashmir was a religious problem which happened in 1990 but Kashmir is a continued political problem perpetrated by New Delhi. So I, I found this statement very interesting. And do you have, Sana, do you have something to add to that and put on that thought? Uh, yes, yes, very much. Kashmir is at core a religious problem. I just like to call out one uh, battle, Battle of Badr, that I mm -hmm. have written in the novel. Yes. So this battle was uh, mainly between uh, the Prophet of Islam after he had converted to Islam, he'd become a Muslim, and the pagan Arab who were Quraysh. So this battle revived Islam altogether. The mm. Prophet was on the verge of losing because it was 13 years since he had founded this religion and not many had converted. So he had migrated from Mecca to Medina and that is where he fights with these pagan Arabs. So this battle is very important because on the Prophet's side, there are hardly 300 people. On the pagan Arab there are around 900 people, but due to chance and due to the sandstorm, etc., they managed to win. And this win is so much, uh, it, it, it so much exalts him that he believes, not only he, everybody else believes that the battle of Badr is the source of inspiration. There is a wonderful book, Quranic Concept of War, which is written by Brigadier S.K. Malik. I have listed it in my bibliography where uh, he very clearly identifies the jihad with the Islamic warfare. All the religious sanctions that are required for the jihad is, very, is given by Quran itself. He maps these and every person quotes Battle of Badr, no matter in which part of globe jihad is being fought. In India's context, in 1949, one of the ministers of Saudi Arabia compares the Kashmir uh, conflict or the Kashmir unrest to jihad. And that's when Sardar Patel writes this to Nehru. Uh, th there is a good collection of Sardar Patel's letters. So in one of his letters, Patel highlights this to Nehru and so see, this is the actual problem. 
so this battle of badr is always referenced because we are not very uh, much used to listening to this we overhear or we even ignore but this is what is happening elsewhere and this happened in kashmir so this was right. one of the reasons and post that it's been an administrative failure it, it's been a complete failure because there was no need to take this to the united nations first mistake by nehru there was no need to call for ceasefire because we were on the verge of capturing the pak occupied kashmir which we have now lost so we were on the verge of conquering it back and then he suddenly announced ceasefire and then the article 317 which was supposed to be a temporary one until the constituent assembly comes into play and then it ratifies the accession that was the pure intent let us have an interim uh, uh, constitution until the constituent assembly is formed and once the assembly ratifies let us merge with the country that was the understanding but constituent assembly came it ratified it was dissolved nothing was done for 370 so we had to bring in a presidential order in 2019 to abrogate it so this is a series the foundation was the religious uh, inspiration yes that remains true elsewhere but yeah. afterwards what succeeded was a series of political mistakes or the administrative failure so how crucial is the abrogation of article uh, 370 and uh, does this contribute effectively towards moving uh, moving towards any solution is that for so, me um, anyone anyone i mean sonal can take it up yeah uh, well uh, i think sort of uh, article 370 i remember sort of waking up on the 5th of august and actually looking at i think on facebook or something and and reading you know and and to be honest i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe that it it was done because it ever since i was born this was one of those things you know that, that that's how we're different and and we was everybody was included you know you didn't don't have a choice you were never asked if you actually actually wanted to be you know part of pakistan you wanted to be independent or you wanted to be uh, with the rest of india and uh, so so when i saw that you know it i was just so 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 excited it was just one of those biggest things that almost you know someone had actually sort of done something big for me and then once the sort of you know the the the, the hoopla sort of slightly died out um, we tried to see what what actually what difference does it does it make to to my life what what difference does it actually make to the kashmiri hindu community and the answer sort of you know for years now is is nothing it doesn't make a difference to what happened to me or my people or or the community because as things stand we cannot go back when we left i think we were about 5% of the population and we were scattered so there were some villages where where uh, you know there were maybe three or four families left and uh, a lot of villages where no one was left because everyone was massacred so when you're asking you know article 370 is has been abrogated 35a which was kind of slipped in slightly um is 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 not there anymore and and it's open and as a woman you know i i get my rights back but where do i go my home that i lived in or that my parents had is occupied who is going to actually look at that who is actually going to look at forcible sales who's actually going to look at are we going to be getting our houses back and once i do get my house back um i live there but everything around me is still i'm still living in that host- hostile environment where i am the target so basically you're asking kashmiri hindus that oh you know what we've done this for you now go back with a big target on your backs because nothing has changed on the ground so the only solution is obviously i think that can only happen once government of india sort of recognizes that there is a problem and and that's not going to change essentially is is actually maybe have a smart city or something to that effect where we can go back because right now what's happening is once my generation sort of dies um there is there's no sort of last living link to 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 that culture you know my children won't have the same connect to kashmir that i have because they've been born here and 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 as we know any culture any civilization needs needs that little cradle to survive it needs its culture it needs the language it needs a uh, customs it needs sort of the whole environment you know when people just people live abroad they they go back to their village uh, gujaratis you know is a massive community throughout the world but there is there's gujarat there that kind of always feeds it back you know we need 
we need Kashmir to sort of, we need our civilization is essentially, you know, what we have been carrying for the last 5,000 years. Kashmiri Hindus are the only people who are still carrying it because people who converted throughout the rest of the years are not really carrying that part of civilization. We are the ones who are still carrying it. But we need somewhere to nurture it. And right now we're, we're scattered throughout the world and, and, and we can't. We are, we're slowly losing everything. And then essentially, you know, ethnic cleansing, genocide, whatever you, you want to term it, um, you're just going to be reading about us in books if, if the government of India doesn't, doesn't do something really, really quickly. Right. So I'll take a segue from there and I'll pose a question about the book and from the book. So there's a very interesting point in the book which uh, the character Mushtaq, I believe, raises is that he feels bad that uh, Hindus who have been expelled out of the state and been attacked upon, they are doing much better than those who have lived behind, right? And it's a very popular trope to use to say that, see, nothing happened to this community. This is a thriving community and people are well-to-do. They are rich. They are not uh, what the stereotypical image of a refugee or of a prosecuted people you would think of, right? Uh, just that. So now when you talk about that, the current generation, which uh, firsthand saw it and experienced the events of 1990s, they go out and the next generation who have not had a direct uh, association with the violence that was perpetrated of them, they will lose out the context and some level of association that the current generation still have to go back. So uh, are we seeing uh, two things here? Is that uh, one, is there another set of rising resentment because the Hindus, Kashmir Hindus are doing so well in the valley resentment against them, which kind of blocks the current generation living there from accepting them coming back and saying, these are the well-to-do people, these are not persecuted people, why they're trying to come back and take things which is in the valley. So is there a rising second level of rising resentment, largely driven by the lack of understanding that no, they are, with the lack of recognition that they are persecuted, now leading to uh, another set of resentment when the process of sending them back is in the process, progress. For um, if, if I was thinking, if I was to think about, um, you know, maybe like a 20 year old Kashmiri Muslim right now, yeah. they've been brought up in this environment where we are the enemy yeah. for whatever reason. Um, and if we do come back, we they are going to look at us as outsiders because that is all they have been told. They don't know anything else because, you know, if, if you're told something repeatedly from birth, that's what you start to believe. So I don't actually blame them to be perfectly honest I don't because who I actually blame is the generation that did that to their father their grandfather uh, because they seem to be happy living in this state of denial um, every time uh, online because I haven't been home you speak to a, a Kashmiri a Muslim and they will say to, to you, some of them, not all, will say to you, you know what, Kashmir is incomplete without you. We really miss you. And, 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 and don't you remember how good it used to be? You know, we used to live uh, like brothers and sisters. And, 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 and I don't know what to say genuinely because it wasn't like that. It was the people who lived there. It was our neighbors who who pointed fingers and said, you know what, this pandit, he's actually hiding there, go and kill him. Uh, it, it was our friends who did that to us. So they are complicit. And I don't know how they're going to sort of pull themselves out of that guilt and actually accept that this happened. And, and, and if they're not gonna, if they're not willing to do that, they're hardly gonna tell their children. So, so anytime, anything happens, you know, uh, so resettlement of, of Kashmiri right. Hindus, we are going to be looked at as outsiders. We are the indigenous inhabitants of the land. And, and, and uh, in fact, I've actually read it somewhere, I can't recall right now, but um, somewhere it said that you're, you're forcing this Hindu, he, these Hindu people to go to the valley, the Muslim dominated valley. And that's almost how it's being presented now. So it's so, a difficult uh, one. With that, I would like to summarize and move towards the end. And my final question to everyone is that then where the solution lies? What is, I mean, uh, what is the conclusive solution? Like we talk about rehabilitation and we talk about uh, safer city, but what is there when we can say this problem is now solved? That's, that's a really, really good question. I don't know if, if, you know, sitting thousands of miles away, I have the answer for you. I think 
um, for, for the last sort of all these years when I have been, all I've been actually trying to do is raise awareness that this has mm -hmm. happened. Uh, because every time I spoke to someone in India, everywhere, no one knew what was going on. People just, you know, they would say, you, oh, your Kashmir, Kashmir is beautiful. Yeah, okay, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And they didn't even know that this had happened, you know, that hundreds of thousands of people were forced to leave their homeland. Um, I think the, the only person who can actually do that is, is, is the government of India, and, and they need to just stop sort of playing appeasement politics um, and, and actually make sure that, that uh, you know, to be called a democratic republic, socialist, secular, whatever they want to call it, actually take some steps to, to make sure that, that the crimes that were committed on the land are punished and, and, and people who, who were acting victims um, are resettled. So, so I'm going to leave it to the government of India because, because as far as I'm concerned, it's their job. Uh, it's their job to protect the citizens and they failed to do that. Sana, you have to add to that. So, yeah, I think the first thing we need to do is get rid of the term secularism. You know, we got it <laughs> inserted forcibly during the emergency, 1976, the 42nd Amendment. We don't want to call ourselves secular. Let us call ourselves a Hindu country. And in addition to what India can do, I think it's a collective responsibility of the nation. As Sonal rightly said, let's have a smart city and uh, let not only the Kashmiri Hindus go, let the rest of India also relocate. Let a major chunk of the people from different states go in there, probably for job opportunities or whatever industries are set up. I think that way, you know, that demographic change can somehow uh, be tackled with. But but a good share of people have to go there, not just asking the Kashmiri pundits to go back and again continue to live in the same hostile situation, fearing for their lives. Right, right. Uh, fine. So, uh, Hemant, do you have something to add to that? Well, um, I think I think Sana covered it. Um, so, um, yeah, without sounding uh, utopian, I think uh, we have to call ourselves a, a, a Hindu country, a dharmic nation. And dharma, by definition, uh, the very the, the the very root word of dharma is to hold things together, right? It is a, a plural, uh, uh, all-encompassing system that you know it it will it will carry everybody. So we have to recognize that that we are a dharmic nation and only then uh, we can actually uh, balance out this thing, that one. And second thing is just like, um, uh, you know, after the, this generation, the next generation of uh, Kashmiri Hindus growing wherever they are, they will have lost touch with, with, with what happened to them. Um, also the, uh, the Muslims in Kashmir also, uh, you know, they would lose touch with the original perpetrators and they will have only grown up with the uh, propaganda and lies that they have uh, been fed, right? So the, the, the solution to this is, 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 is a slow, um, uh, uh, slow de-indoctrination, basically. And, and for that to happen, uh, we need a complete overhaul of this, this, this system. And that's why we need to become uh, not a secular nation, but a, a dharmic nation that goes back to its roots mm -hmm. of, of, of plurality, teach that to our kids, um, with Article 370 gone, opportunities can come, development can happen, so investment can go into Kashmir, so uh, the youth have uh, other things to keep themselves occupied rather than just get uh, brainwashed, right? So it's a slow process, but uh, unfortunately uh, for the Kashmiri Hindu community, uh, this is the last link, this generation is the last link. So whether there can be a true settlement within this generation, um, it, it depends on how fast uh, the Indian government can uh, can act, uh, but uh, going by the entrenched uh, mindsets that are today, uh, even with uh, say 303 MPs, they can't enact a law and, and, and hold on to it. Uh, uh, I, I'm I'm not very optimistic that that can happen, but the the, the seeds of it must be sown, and um, uh, and and you know we as uh, um, collective Hindus, uh, we need to kind of uh, create that uh, pressure group, pressure block. Uh, so that the government uh, will not, uh, you know, uh, divide and rule us, and and they will have to listen to us. If we, as 800 million people, become one uh, vote block, uh, then the governments, no matter which party it is, will have to listen to us. But right now, I think even we are divided. I think that's where that's where the solution lies. That that we have to create a pressure group that we can get the government to uh, listen to us and uh, and 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 take us back to our. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Hindu nation that we have to be. Right, right. 
Right. So with that, I'll take a few questions now before we close the session. Uh, we are reaching our one hour time. Uh, I have uh, from Abhay Sharma. When we going to tell the correct history about Kashmiri Pandits and genocide done with them? Bollywood always plays in the lap of uh, general narrative, and film like Kashmir Files with by are the film like uh, Kashmir Files by Vivek Mehta going to make an impact? Uh, so. i had started off with that but we did not get into that part of it is that whenever there is a narrative or whenever the story is being told within the movie or the book uh, kashmir and the kashmir issue takes a backstage self it's generally uh, either romanticizing the terrorism or it's a love story that's happening on the back on the background of uh, kashmir right so uh has that impact impacted the perception also and is there a scope for that to change are we seeing a shift in that if 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 i may answer that um so yeah. um uh, i i i did say that you know uh, islam mm-hmm. christianity and uh, marxism or uh, that they they're all totalitarian system they are actually uh, uh you know uh, competing for the same space so they they will not fight each other um now um christianity was the the first one that that started this but they over the period i mean you know govan inquisition was even worse than what happened to uh kashmiri hindus uh but they kind of um uh, reformed themselves and became more and more uh sophisticated in their in, in achieving their goals and they've taken over the um um social charity kind of space so everything that you see as charity scratch the surface and you find the same uh, totalitarian agenda Islam is still in a crude uh, way, still still carrying on with its uh, medieval approach, but the Marxists, the latest entry entrant, they have been the most conniving in that they have taken over this liberal art space. They have taken over the the storytelling space, right? We as a nation, we are the story uh, nation of storytellers. Storytelling is 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 our thing, and that space is taken over. I mean, in I, I don't know about the other uh, language literatures, uh, but in Canada. uh literature from from classical to uh renaissance to um uh, modern literature then uh, it becomes uh, uh um uh, revolutionary literature and um um what's the uh, translation for um atrocity literature they they, they all have become a, a form right so propaganda has become a mainstream of storytelling so there is no authentic storytellers now right mm-hmm. and that's what has happened with uh, with with bollywood right so people in india we because we like stories we rely on many vast population they rely on bollywood to tell them history uh, history story and that space is is is, is taken over by these uh, uh, these uh, agendas and uh, and that is in fact a, a huge contributor to all the obscurity uh, around some genuine issues and to see that uh, you know um some of the like uh, the kashmir files uh, that that movie i i and i think it's it's recently come up and i stopped watching or following bollywood uh, since 90s yeah. um, so kashmir i don't know what i think still to come still yeah to okay come. yeah but um, that space is 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 very much uh, propaganda and, and any um, contrary uh, uh, views coming up they don't find space the the, the industry pushes them away uh, mm-hmm. it's only the uh, the the uh, people who toe the line who become stars and uh, uh, have much much clout in that space so uh, that is the space that we have to occupy we have to have more indic uh, storytellers i mean we have a lot of uh, indic scholars who are coming up with a lot of non fiction uh, genuine scholar scholarly uh, writings but that doesn't reach the masses that reaches only the the inquisitive uh, few who actually have that uh, inclination for academic rigor it is the storytelling space that we have to uh, we have to occupy and we have to get authentic indic people um, telling stories that um, intrinsically we all understand we all we, we know we know what dharma is even even though we may not be able to articulate uh, right. we know what it is it connects and we want those people the storytellers who can connect those things and 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 and, and create and spark those uh, those indic thoughts mm-hmm. and i think uh, this is the last generation even in that space because um what's coming out of uh, indian uh, academic structure is 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 taking us far and far away from that uh, dharmic root so um that space we need to uh, we need to uh, get more and more people like sahana actually uh, to write uh, write uh, more more indic stories yeah uh, i have next question from gautam as for sahana has the journey of writing this book scarred you emotionally 
Uh, yes, very much. Uh, just to put it briefly, before I left, there were what was on my mind was the story of uh, Bashir's family, Bashir Ahmed's family, and Kailash Pandit. Mm-hmm. So I I just thought of writing an emotional story, and after I went there, um, it was so difficult to have three meals a day. I mean, uh, it was very distressing for me because I visited Kashmir as well as the Jagti Township in Jammu, and believe me, they are in a very pathetic state. and after coming back my plot was lost i mean i i really had become blank i did not know what to do because writing an emotional story would be still possible but would i uh, dig into the root cause would i do justice to the subject was what haunted me for many days i couldn't make up my mind and i couldn't somehow proceed with the original story line that's why you see kalash pandit story coming in the form of a diary that's yep. a technique i've used it comes yeah. as a diary after the second half uh, during the second half of the book yeah. so when i started looking into these details i felt this should be the way of putting it i mean i was very scared that this would not be a work of art with so many facts so many administrative and technical things but i had no other go nothing else would have satisfied me nothing else yeah. would have given me the solace so i found this way where narendra is a debater and then i bring up everything the secularism the history the political aspect and then kalash pandit story also uh, reveals so yeah. yes i i had a tough time actually right uh, i don't have any other question i have a comment from jasmine which says uh, it's important to highlight in a big visible way through social and cultural media the fact of massive genocide that happened one idea is uh, to have massive traveling exhibit of genocide with photographs and accounts of travel to every major city of india and the world we need physical reminders buildings monuments highlighting that happened textbook need to highlight this in a big way so yeah i mean uh, yes we need that and i think with uh, th- there was also for a very long time so there is one intent so there wasn't really a political intent or government intent to take steps in this direction and there was a second thing was a limitation in the uh, absence of having uh, an open access to different kind of media and ability to put these things together in 90s and early 2000 it needed much more effort than it needs now so probably going ahead we can see more of the things being written more communication being put out more exhibit can put out and all that but one thing is uh, what i like then i would like comment from you all is that we can probably when you talked about that the houses that was occupied and people were expelled from and if people cannot go back and live there those can be standing monuments and uh, then probably that would uh, focus on the solution of that people who have never lived in kashmir or kashmiris they will have a physical evidence of what had happened and that will create a connection which will live on right sorry when when yeah when we're talking about sort of houses specifically because you picked it up um it's it's my home or my parents home and and ideally obviously they would like to go back there but what are you going to do with the people who are actually living there now because there's a generation there that's probably grown mm-hmm. up so it's 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 a really really um complex complex issue uh, as far as um sort of uh, holding holding um exhibitions to to sort of what's happened and then getting more people to get involved there has actually been stuff happening in india uh, there are kashmiri organizations in india that have done this so so what i would say is do your research uh, look around um actually read but please do remember that this is this is sort of living people you are talking about these people are not we are not story books we're not history yet we are still alive we're still kicking we have sprung back from probably one of the worst things that could happen to a community to a culture and we are trying very very hard to 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 grab whatever we can and 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 preserve it and keep it alive in in a in a, in a very difficult environment uh in the hope that someday we can actually go back home so so if if you're going to do something you know don't do don't be that person who who sat through the holocaust and and did nothing don't be that person who who sat uh, sat through a civil war and did nothing actually and don't wait for someone else to do something maybe do start something and then you know people will join you that's what i'll say so i'll i'll take just one last question and that's for sonal 
uh, it's a very it's a point of information that Gautam is asking is that uh, did government of India ever pay any financial compensation for the loss of property? Um, I think there was uh, I don't have the detail, but I think there was some kind of compensation paid, uh, but. I, I can't give you uh, the, the because our house uh, was a distress sale and and basically it was uh, someone just said, well, do you want some money for it or am I just going to take it anyway? And I think at that point, my grandfather, uh, because we had to have something to live on when we yeah. were in Jammu, so because we had nothing, basically. Uh, so I think that's at that point he 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 accepted the offer. So so we lost the house. Uh, a lot of the times people weren't give, even given that. Um, a lot of the times people were told uh, that you know make sure you do something nice if they were if they were sort of decorating their house or or doing some renovation work. The neighbors would say to them, "Oh, make sure you do it properly because that's going to be mine." So so it, this was pre-planned. Um, and, and and as far as compensation goes, uh, I think if we if we start to tally it up and if if we start looking numbers, it's it's going to be, uh, it's going to turn into millions. Um, uh, so so that's probably another another thing that we need to think about proper compensation for for Kashmiri Hindus. Mm -hmm. All right. So in favor of time, we have overshot our time now. So we will have to close it. There are a couple of more questions there and there are comments there about that. Uh, there could be when can be a movie election to this be made about uh, Kashmir genocide and there, there was one question for Sonal that uh, do you speak Kashmiri and is there a place in UK where people can learn it? Uh, which is I, I do speak Kashmiri and I also uh, kick people's backsides if they don't especially my Kashmiri friends around here um, but again it is it is it's, it's there there isn't any any particular place but if you if you wanted to reach out to me on, on Facebook or uh, or through Kashmiri Pandit Cultural Society, I can always connect you to people in the UK or the US where where we are we are we are teaching uh, spoken spoken Kashmiri. Uh, there's a lot of places where people have actually also started to learn Sharda, which is mm -hmm. the the original script. Um, so so in in a way, you know, we we're we're doing stuff that maybe we weren't allowed to do that when we were we were in in Srinagar. So mm -hmm. something positive. All right. So thank you, everyone. With that, we'll close the session. So thank you, all the panelists, to join in. Thanks, Sahana, Emant, and Sonal. And thank you, everyone, who attended the session today. Uh, I hope you got a few answers and few information. There's something to learn for everyone from the session that you attended. And uh, going ahead, you would realize there's something. There's more expected from you to attend, and you also speak out when there is a chance for you to. And uh, probably what happened in Kashmir is a lesson for everyone in India that it's not an isolated situation. It's not a problem of someone else. It's your problem. And it has, it's an Indian problem. It's not a Kashmiri problem that has happened. So on that note, I'll thank you everyone. And I'll close the session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.